I have to remind myself that my gifts are not, I, I don't like the word optimized or maximized, but I just, I'm not using my gifts to the best of my ability if I haven't taken care of all these other not fun needs yeah. first. You know, if I haven't done, if I haven't moved my body or got my steps in or, you know, done a work, I do not like working out at all, but <laughs> I know I'm better for it. And yeah. I know that my gifts are better for it. And I know that what I share with the world is better for it. So that's where the acronym came from was just to remind me that in order to use these gifts, I really need to take care of some other stuff first. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an incredible entrepreneur, community leader, business activist, writer, speaker, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal with this show is to show you, the listener, that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact. My guest this week is the incredible Whitney English. She believes that anyone can live a beautiful life. She believes that gratitude is the birthplace of joy, that people matter, that love is the answer, and that if you're real, you can't be ugly, that everyone is creative, and some of us have forgotten, and that it's worth trying to be a better version of ourselves today than we were yesterday. If you're more into the technical details, Whitney has bootstrapped two businesses to seven figures, has a degree in interior design, has studied management at Parsons in New York City, and has had her work featured in O Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, and on The Today Show. She was featured as one of Country Living's women entrepreneurs in 2008. And one of her favorite dreams come true, though, is her husband, David, and their three children. She also nightly dreams of a perfectly organized office. Her new book, A More Beautiful Life, just released, and it is incredible. We talk all about the heart framework for developing and setting goals. We talk about what it looks like to have this moment where we hit rock bottom and we use that to fuel something new, to fuel beautiful change, and how we don't let those moments define us, but instead they help to shape us into who we can become. I loved this conversation. I've been a fan of Whitney's for a long time, so it was so much fun to get to sit down with her. I know that you are going to love this. But before we get to my chat with Whitney, I want to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. We are heading into summertime, and it is the time more than ever to grab those mama suds germ cleaners and get to cleaning from the windows to the walls to floors to upholstery to carpets you name it mama suds has a truly safe and effective product to help you clean we've personally used mama suds in our home for years i love their castile soap their toilet bombs i just ordered for myself and bought their new stain stick which i'm so excited about because i have been looking for a clean and effective non-toxic stain stick for our clothes. So I will let you know how it goes. But seriously, I love all of their products. We use them in our own home. So head on over to mamasuds.com. Use the code Molly for 15% off your order. That's mamasuds.com. Use the code Molly for 15% off your order. Now on to my conversation with Whitney English. Whitney, I'm so honored to have you on the show. Welcome. 
Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. And I have already been diving into your book, which by the time this airs will already be out. So everybody should just go ahead and like, I'm just going to say it right now. Pause this, go order it from your local bookstore, from Amazon, from Target, wherever, wherever you can order books and go buy it because it's beautiful, which, you know, is fitting because it's called a more beautiful life. Um, But I also am very much a person who judges a book by its cover. And I (laughs) I realize I should not, but I do. And it's beautiful. So uh, congratulations. Congratulations on birthing a book, baby. Thank you. It is a journey indeed. (laughs) So uh, let's dive in and have you give us the Whitney 101. So tell us who you are and what you do and how you got to where you are today. Okay. I have a degree in interior design. I graduated in May of 2001 and moved to Dallas to start my career as an interior designer, which is what I've wanted to do pretty much my entire life. And 9-11 happened. Mm. So that's changed the, that just the job market dried up instantly, especially in that field when we lived in this world where nobody knows what's going to happen. And all of a sudden people aren't redecorating their homes. I've like, everything just froze. So I moved back home, moved in with my parents and started my first business when I was 22. And I always tell people it went well until it didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it went gloriously well. It was amazing uh, to be in my young twenties and running a really successful thriving business. But we, in, I owned that business for 10 years. So about the time I was 32, we had made it through the Great Recession of 2008, and we got hit with what's called a bankruptcy rollback, which I talk about in the book. But another company that had filed bankruptcy previously, what happens is the trustee of that bankruptcy has the right to come back and ask for the funds that they paid us in the 90 days prior to their filing. So, so when that happens, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause mm-hmm. you there real quick. Explain okay. this to me like I'm five. <laughs> uh, I got a letter in the mail one day. Yeah that said I owed a huge sum of money Mm. to a lawyer who was processing one of my previous customers' bankruptcies. That's still not a five-year-old explanation. But But I I get it a little bit more now. So basically you had a customer that had paid you and then they file bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And then basically you are then liable for Mm -hmm. their... What they paid me. Yes. Okay. All right. I have to pay it back so that the trustee can then take all that money, Mm. all the money they can find and like redistribute it to other creditors. Yeah. It was not fun at all. So, and it was just a really, really awful time. Personally, I talk a little bit about it in the book, but what I don't talk about in the book is that at the same time that was happening, like my marriage was hitting a new low that we recovered from and had to fight through, but golly, it was just, there was a day where I woke up and I just thought my life is falling apart and I am eight and a half months pregnant. It was so bad. It was just absolutely the worst. So anyway, around the time I had also developed a planner. And so I started a separate company and debuted this planner and it took off. It was called day designer. And people loved it. We were selling it on Etsy. We were making them by hand and the demand for the, it was sort of an planners were sort of a novelty at that point in time. The market's a little bit oversaturated now, but 
people loved it. It was, and it was so fun and just such a, just such a 180 degree shift from where I had been a couple years, you know, a couple very short years earlier. And then a company came to me one day and said they wanted to license it and put it in Target. And then that company came to me a couple years after that and said they wanted to put it in Office Depot and Staples. And then by that point in time, I had felt like the licensing angle of the business was actually starting to cannibalize my boutique sales, mm. which were our family's bread and butter. And so I said, you know, I just, I don't really want to expand the licensing beyond Target. So if you want to do that, you need to buy the company. And they did. Wow. Um, so it was a nice redemption story, a nice little bookend to like, here, we had to file bankruptcy on my first business. And just uh, that was very humbling. And so it just, it felt so good to have that. And then I consulted for them for three years and we ended up, they ended up saying, we don't need you to consult anymore, which ended my non-compete. And I was like, well, what do I know how to do? It was fall, summer and fall of 2019. Right. And I was like, well, I, I know how to print stuff. <laughs> still, still not using that design degree, but I can print things. So I did have an idea. I still have ideas for other planners and products and stuff like that. But we took the best one and launched that. And now we're, and we branded it under Whitney English. So I think I'm chasing this. I want to figure out how to take my love of interiors and home and somehow merge it with this printed dated products good thing that we've got going on. So that's where I am. I well one, I love the redemption story uh because I think that those encourage people who are in the muck to keep going. I while I didn't file bankruptcy like in 2008, I was completely broke and hit rock bottom and I think about like where I started and where I am now and how different my life looks. I just am like, oh, yeah. But it's like it took work. It took grit, <laughs> determination, all those things. And so often when people are in the midst of the muck and the mess and all of the just the times in life where you're just like, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to get out of this. and a lot of times the only way through it is just mm -hmm. to keep to keep going and to keep pushing through. There's a a story I read and it just you you reminded me of this. There's a story I read and I think it's Buffalo in in like the Midwest. These giant massive herds of buffalo will be together and they will see a storm coming. And the buffalo instinctively know that they have two choices to make, that one, they can run directly into the storm or and like run through it, or they can run in the opposite end of the storm. And if they run in the opposite end of the storm, guess what happens is the storm just chases them. And then a lot of times they're in the storm longer if they run away from the storm, because huh. the storm is coming at them, at, you know, like, we're going uh -huh. to get to the physics of speed and the winds and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> essentially, they're in yeah. the storm longer if they try to run away from it. 
versus the leaders of the, the herd are like, no, 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 we're just going to run through it. So they they run directly into the storm and they get through it faster because they just push through and they huddle together and they protect each other through it. And I just I think about somebody like you who just was like, this is the worst and we're going mm-hmm. through all of the terrible things right now. But mm-hmm. instead of avoiding it, trying to run away from it, you know, which I'm sure, I mean, I don't want to put things into your mouth that you didn't actually say, but, and you know, I'm sure you probably thought it (laughs) It was just like, how can I, how can I get out of this? Instead you push through. And so like, what, what was that like facing this, this moment where you were like, we now have to file bankruptcy because this other company filed bankruptcy and they're bankrupting. And it's just like, and then your, your marriage is going through it. You're about to have a baby. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what Mm -hmm. was that like? It was humbling. And we, we did have a marriage counselor who we had seen, we, we had reached out to him probably in the six months prior to, I mean, D-Day. I mean, it was just, there was a day where it just, where I woke up and everything was different and, and yeah, there's no way out. The only way is through it. And I think that we, we live in a society where, in a culture where it's just, let's encourage each other to you know, be brave and like tackle these things. And, but what do you do when like, that isn't enough? You know, I, that's the point I was at was like no amount of inspirational quotes or frankly, even Bible verses or marriage counselors. I mean, we had all the resources and I just was going, I want out of this and there's no way out. There is not a way out. I remember distinctly feeling like I just, and I called a friend one night. I was like, I just need you to stay on the phone with me because all I want to do is go curl up in the fetal position in the corner of my room Mm. and just pray that this all just goes away. Like I just, there, there was no way out, but there is a quote by JK Rowling and this is in the book. And so rock bottom became the foundation on which I rebuilt my life. Mm. And I really found out that there's some beautiful things at rock bottom. It is a firm foundation. And when you feel like the waters are swirling over your head, that you feel like you're drowning. We lived on the lake for four years. And, you know, when you're in those waters, when you're deep enough, you can't, you don't know which way is up. But if you can find the bottom, if you can find rock bottom, you can push off. And then I, you know, I just love that analogy in the Bible of like building your house on the rock Mm -hmm. rather than sand. It's just rock bottom is a firm foundation and it is a great push off point. And it's so anyway, I have to be careful with that because now knowing that there's a difference between having like an, I can do it attitude and then turning that into pity party. That's yeah. like, okay, I just have to find rock bottom as fast as possible because like everything's going to pots. And yeah, but I was at that point in time where people wanted to keep me afloat and I was going to, I just need to stink right now. Just trust me, people around me. I really just need, to, I don't want to self-sabotage make things worse than they are, but how can things get worse than they are? Right. You know? And so I learned a lot in that season. So I'm curious, 
somebody like you who just is a natural creative, you have these natural entrepreneurial tendencies. And I love that you said, I always have ideas for planners and things because every single business owner I talk to is like, I have 27 other business ideas and (laughs) I cannot do them all. So I am curious, was this something that was always natural to you? Like as a kid, were you the kid that had the clean room and you were very organized? And you know, were you very artistic? Or did you like to decorate? Did you find that a lot of the characteristics you see in yourself now that you're like, oh, that's where it started? Yes, I did not have a clean room at all. <laughs> just just got to put that out there. My best friend in, from high school and still best friend in the whole wide world is like she follows me on Instagram and she's like, clean your room, clean it. Like just clean your room. It's been a lifelong problem. I do think I'm also an Enneagram seven and Enneagram sevens tend to avoid pain. And one way I can avoid pain is chasing ideas. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn how to, and I actually listened to a really interesting podcast the other day. The gal they interviewed was Anna. I'm probably going to mispronounce this name. Lemke. I mean, they said it. I think it's like, I think it's Lemke. I hope I'm L-E-M-K-E. I think I know exactly who you're talking about. L-H-E-N. I feel like there's an H in there somewhere. Maybe a B. I don't know. Like, I don't know. We're just going to throw some letters in there. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, she, the podcast is talking about how uh, dopamine in our brain our brains are looking for a balance in dopamine. So when we pursue pleasure, pain is sort of the other side of that scale that helps things balance out. You need to have her on the show, reach out. She's probably fascinating to talk to. <laughs> um, so, but I, I pursue pleasure and I have, so, so stopping and saying, being intentional, but saying, okay, I need to introduce some pain into my life. I need to force myself to do a few things I don't want to do is a great, practice that I've learned over the years. It helps me. I just hadn't heard it talked about until I listened to her on that interview the other day, but to stop and say, okay, I, I need to do the thing I don't want to do Mm -hmm. simply as a practice. Like there's only one way to build self-discipline in your life. And that's it is practice doing the things that you don't want to do. Right. That's it. It's miserable that it pays off. So I don't remember what your question was. But. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was asking. That's a very Enneagram 7 thing, by the way. Like, Because totally. um, yeah. one of my best friends is an Enneagram 7 and I'm, and I'm an Enneagram 2. And so I'm Ooh. always like, I'm always like, okay, uh, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. It's fine. Yes. Um, well, so I was asking about how, you know, did you see these threads, like your creative oh, yeah. threads, entrepreneurial threads as a kid? Did you... So at what point did you realize you know, obviously you went to school for this. Was this something that just started to slowly come out of you? And you were like, this is something, you know, just interior design and and the creative space. Like, where did that all start to manifest itself? Yeah. My grandmother, my dad's mom, my gran was super creative. She was an oil painter. I have a couple of her paintings, which was a really neat thing to hang on to. My dad is was really resourceful, really resourceful, which is a very special kind of creativity to be able to look at a problem and say, I have this garage full of mechanics and and woodworking tools. Like, what can we do? So we would get out in the garage at a young age and do all my school projects. And I was always the kid who like 
went with went to school with the diorama. It wasn't in a shoebox. It was in an actual wood box that yeah. we yep. that we made. And my little Heidi Heidi hot cottage little hut thing was built out of actual wood. <laughs> it was yep. just we were over the top, but we had so much fun doing it. My uncle, who lived across the street from us, was an architect, and he was very instrumental and encouraging. And someone for me to talk to about that interest. So I do. My mom saved everything, but I have drawings of dollhouses and floor plans from age eight. Floor plans. I was drawing floor plans at McDonald's, eating my Happy Meal at age eight. So it definitely was, it's there. It's been there for a really long time. Yeah. And I think that's so cool because I, you know, I I think a lot of times you see, even if your career path has veered off or, you know, I'm always fascinated by people are like, well, I went to school for something completely different than what I'm doing. But then you just see the little tiny threads throughout Mm -hmm. somebody's life. And so talk about how you began to develop this heart framework and and goal setting and like how that that grew out of because I I see and maybe that's just how my brain is wired, but I totally see the connection between interior design and goal setting and like having a, you know, kind of organized life or kind of getting your, Mm -hmm. your things organized. Like it's, it's, I totally see the connection. And especially when, you know, cause I, I used, I used a day designer back in the day. So I, I remember, you know, one of the things, cause I like pretty things. And so I loved the simplicity of them, the ease of them, but then the beautiful design and I felt like just, oh, well, I have this. And so automatically I'm going to be more organized. And automatically. Automatically. Yes. It's just going to happen. Like, boop, like, just like that. So where did you slowly begin to, to develop this framework for goal setting? And when you started to realize this is something that actually is working for other people and isn't just one of my own little you know, because sometimes we have our own systems that we're mm-hmm. like, ah, this doesn't make sense to anybody else, but it makes sense to me. Whereas mm-hmm. you develop this with something, oh, this is actually, this can work for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also believe in fairy tales growing up. And so I do think that goals as an adult sort of felt like they were going to be that magic wand or that fairy godmother right. that, you know, that, that ticket out. And so in that season of my life, that was so dark. I really, I had been setting goals. Like there was that, there was that D-Day, that just the day that the epic failure hit. And I looked back the over the past two years and was just like, my goals got me here. Yeah. Like I, I thought smart goals were the ticket out of this mess. And I just found out I have to file bankruptcy in my company. My marriage is on the rocks. I'm eight and a half months pregnant. I lost a really precious friendship at the same time to just one of those splits that just never is going to reconcile this side of heaven. And it was just, I was really disenchanted with my goals. So I think I probably went through like grief and denial, like just this is like goals are not going to work, but I was left without a framework for, and I need that. I'm an Enneagram stud. I need I need a mnemonic device to help me remember what I'm supposed to do every day. Because if I don't, I end up chasing squirrels and rabbits. <laughs> They're so fun and so cute to chase. I mean, I just love chasing squirrels and rabbits, but I needed a simple way to just say like, okay, no, 
you need to do some of these discipline things. You need to do some of these practices instead of chasing. And, and it, I thought it just stood to reason that if I needed a way to do that, that there would be other people out there that right. needed it as well. And I don't talk about this in the book, but I did uncover set, like four different sort of archetypes, like goal setting archetypes. Only one of those types is the super awesome, perfect I'm going to make a chart. I'm going to track all my goals. I'm going to get up every day. I'm actually going to do it. You know, if we're going to look at the Enneagram, it's probably that one or two, one, two or three right there. And so there is a type that there is a personality type that really can adopt the smart goals thing and make it work for them. But for the rest of us, I mean, literally like 75% of us, you know, and I just made up that statistic. <laughs> you sounded really um, convincing. So I fully believe you. I believe it is 75%. No, no more, no less, Whitney. Yes. <laughs> the majority, yeah. the majority of us do this thing every January 1st, where we air quotes set goals. Yeah. And then, and we forget when we're setting our goals that there's going to be an ice storm in February and someone's going to get sick in March and the weather will hit in April and then May is always awful. I want to write a blog post and call it May is always awful. It's just, if your goals have not been derailed by May, the month of May will derail all your goals. And so, so heart just became this thing. I think first I talk about this process in the book a little bit, but at first I I said, no goals, like goals are bad. And then I said, okay, I'll set a few goals, but I need to make sure my goals are balanced. So Mm. yes, I can have a work goal, but I also need a family goal and I need a personal self-care goal. And I need a, and so I categorized my goals and I allowed myself to set three goals in each category. And I was like, that's still 15 goals. That's too many goals. And the more I sort of hold away the layers of this whole goal setting world that we've created and, and really just treated like it's a magic wand or fairy godmother, I realized that we all really basically have the same goals. And then I was reading an article or a blog post or something about Maslow one day. And I realized that the areas of goal setting, goal setting, air quotes again, that I had sort of uncovered these five areas also paralleled almost exactly with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Yeah, which then sort of gave the framework the foundation of what if we just pursued our needs as our goals and, and then let the wants kind of happen. And that's just a great reset point. I had a really bad day earlier this week. I can't even remember what happened. Isn't that the funny thing about bad days? Like sometimes you can remember what sends you over the edge, but sometimes you're just like, I can't get a handle on anything. It's just all of it. Yeah. And um, I had been doing a podcast interview And turns out she was having a very similar kind of day and we were just relating on this and I was explaining heart and I said, I I just need a reset and I know what I need to do. It's back to that, that discipline thing, doing what you don't want the practice of doing things you don't want to do. That's how we build self-discipline in our lives. And I was like, I know what I need to do. I need to go for a walk. I need to drink a big glass of water and I need to find a salad somewhere. Like I just... And doing, and I got off the podcast interview and I did those three things. I went for a walk, drank some water, found a salad, ate it. It really does reset your day. My day did get haywire again. I did lose it again (laughs) after that. But for a moment, 
there was, and maybe it's a control thing even too, but there was just this moment of like, okay, no, I can make the right decisions, do the things I need to do, even though they're not the things I necessarily want to do. Cinnamon roll would have been much more delicious than a salad, but it was just a reset point. And that's what heart is. Like there are four checkpoints for the first letter H and it's sleep, water, nutrition, and movement. So that's, I was building that back into my day. You remind me of something my mom always used to say to me when I was little, which was, you know, when I was having a bad day, my mom would just be like, you know, you can start your day over at any time. And I would get so Mm -hmm. mad at her and I would be like, no, I can't because I can't go to sleep and wake up and it be tomorrow. (laughs) And she's like, and she would always say to me, but you can choose to start your day over. And, you know, as a kid, that never made sense to me. I was always confused. And I was always just like, what are you talking about? Like, this is this is garbage, what you're saying to me. And now, of course, as an adult, I'm like, oh, oh, I get that. And now I find myself saying that to my children and my kids mm-hmm. then fuss at me and say, I can't start my day over, you know, and I but it it really is you know, and I think for me, the practice is similar of just maybe mm-hmm. it's going outside. And for me, maybe it's going outside and feeding my goats and just like hanging out with them for a little bit. Cause the cares that are in their world are basically nothing is, are they out of hay? Like, <laughs> um, I have one, one of my goats is extremely dramatic and just, I mean, the second that the hay is empty, he's like, ah, And so like I can I can be in my office and I can hear him just losing his dang mind. I'm like, well, the goats are out of hay because it's just instantaneous. And I always feel like sometimes that's kind of how I am. It's like the second something goes wrong, I'm like, "Ah!" (laughs) I have to just be like, it's fine. All I need to do is get a little bit more hay, whatever that might look like for me. Reset reset your day. Somebody did ask me, I was talking about this day on Instagram and somebody asked me, well, how do you reset your life? Mm. And I haven't answered it yet. I thought it was a really good question though, because the answer is the same. You reset your day. I mean, that's, if it does come back to choice, my mom would always say to me, like, you have the choice you. And I, I do tell a story about my mom in the book where she took me to a therapist when I was a teenager because I had teenage angst. I had girl, girl drama. And she was like, you have a choice as to how you respond to this. And so like when my kids, or even sometimes my sweet husband, David will say, you're making me so mad. Like in the middle of an argument, I come back with, I can't make you do anything. You're choosing to be mad, which doesn't ever go over well. (laughs) I'm sure that goes over super well in the moment. (laughs) But it is like, I feel like that is something that is apparent. That's, that is right up there. Like if you said, Whitney, what do you want to teach your kids? I would say the power of choices and change, like the power to just say, okay, I'm going to choose something different. And sometimes I think when you're in like those drowning moments, it doesn't even matter what the choice is, as long as it is something different. That's also very Enneagram seven of me. Twos are going to be a lot more strategic about that, what that choice is going to be. I'm like, I'll just make it different. And, (laughs) and I mean, we're just looking for different results. So we have to change. We have to make different choices. I'm curious. I want you to unpack a little bit that the connection, and I think you go into this some in the book, but um, just to unpack it for us a little bit here, 
the connection of the heart framework, the H-E-A-R-T to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, because I think that that's fascinating and how so often, I mean, and and of course, like we both come from a, a faith background. And so, you know, we see this as, okay, well, this is how God like intentionally created us. And, you know, and just in general, like when we are without community, when we're without um, fellowship with one another, when we are without um, strong relationships in our lives, when we are without good nutrition and sunlight and exercise and moving our bodies and things that fuel our soul and our mind and our our hearts and our bodies, you know, just all those things when we're, of course, we're not functioning the way that we are mm-hmm. supposed to function. And the reality is, is obviously the last two years have thrown off so many of those things, whether we want to admit that or not, even though I think we are finally being beginning to be like, oh, maybe isolating ourselves wasn't one of the best ideas uh, because of the actual physical effects on our mental, physical, and emotional health and how our Mm -hmm. immune systems are affected by those things. Anyway, that's a whole nother digression and tangent I could go off on. But I'm, um, I'd love for you to unpack that. It was what, how do these, the H-E-A-R-T line up pretty closely with Maslow's hierarchy Mm -hmm. of needs? Uh, yeah, it well, it starts with, you know, basic physical needs, the fact that we all need nutrition, we all need water, we all need sleep, and we need to move our bodies. My husband's recovering from about of something, we don't know if it's COVID or not, because mm. he's not testing positive for that. But but who knows, it's so weird. Yeah. And um, our best friend who lives next door, she's a pediatrician. She was like, well, you just need to get up and move around, like keep moving, like get that stuff out of your life. Like you've just got to keep moving. And I just think that like movement is just an essential need. So I do not have Maslow's hierarchy of needs memorized, but I can kind of talk you through, I mean, just the, just your basics, just your basic physical needs. And then the next level is you, you have, we have emotional needs, the need to to love and be loved. And that starts with first loving yourself. And I think growing up in a faith background, I always heard Jesus others you. And so I was like, okay, well, that means I need to do my quiet time first. And then I need to like, go be nice to everybody else. And then at the very end of the day or whatever, I can focus on my own needs. I understand the principle of that, like teaching our kids summer camp. But I was also, I even as a young adult, like I was neglecting my own emotional needs, Mm. really just not even loving myself, like learning to like myself has been as an adult has been a really fascinating journey. Like learning to look in the mirror and saying like, it's cool that you are doing the best you can. And I can tell, you know, so that's kind of that second need um, is that emotional need, which then moves into the third need, which is the relational need, uh, the need for community. And right before your podcast, I was listening to a previous episode you did with the gal who did story file. Oh yeah. Story file. Yeah. You guys were talking about community and how that leads to longevity. Yeah. Which I found absolutely fascinating. This idea that, and we, I'm from Oklahoma. My parents are from Oklahoma. My grandparents were from Oklahoma. Like we are people who are deeply rooted here. And I remember back to when I moved to Dallas, like I didn't have those community connections. And I thought you could just recreate that. I just thought, well, I'll go get a job at a stationary store or an interior design store down in Dallas, and I'll just recreate my network. It doesn't happen. Like those roots that they've planted, those are nurturing me still 
And so I loved that your people need to go back and listen to that, that podcast. And the other person that we just, I talked about that twice on on an episode this year. And so I, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then also on um, my episode with Daniel Grothy, who he wrote an entire book about this and um, it's called the power of place and like choosing stability in a rootless age. And it was this idea that um, we live in an age where we are just constantly uprooting ourselves and whether it's in church, whether it's in relationships and marriage, like when the marriage gets hard, you get divorced and you find a new spouse. When job gets hard, you quit and you find a new job when you're, you know, w- w- just whatever it is, we're, when, when you don't like your church's worship music anymore, you guess what? You quit and you find a new church and how that is like contributing to a lot of our um, angst and anxiety and mm-hmm. so many things. And he obviously he addresses like if you're in a toxic and dangerous situation, that's completely separate. But he talked about, and I think we talked about this too on the on the story file episode was this group of they're called the blue zones. And it's these like seven areas around the world where you have an inordinate amount of centenarians or something. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that correct. Mm-hmm. People who are living to be over a hundred. And they like look at these blue zones as to like, well, why is this particular pocket of the world? Why are we seeing all these people live to be over a hundred? And one of the factors, yes, of course, is a lot of times like nutrition is a huge factor and, um, you know, that they're physically active, but almost always it's because they worship together and they are deeply in community there. And they have like like this one group in, I think it's Okinawa, Japan, uh, they studied this one group and like they have these women who are all like 107, 108, 109, and they're all friends and they've been friends their entire lives and they go walking together. And I'm just like, they're almost 110 and like they're just, they're walking together and they're spending their life. I mean, like think about the things that these women have seen in a hundred years of friendship. Mm. unbelievable and how that stability and those long-term friendships legitimately contribute to better mental health, lower rates of depression, Mm -hmm. um, lower blood pressure, lower cholesterol. I mean, we, we, we forget how important those things are and it's never too late to begin to plant those roots. And in fact, for me, my word of the year for 2022 is rooted and really thinking about like, how can I get myself more rooted in my family, in my community, in our home, in our farm, you know, all those things. And because that, that just talking about that has really struck a chord with me because of how much it affects everything else in life. Yeah. Preach. Like just amen. That, that that's the middle letter. That's A. A is all your people yeah. in the heart acronym. And it's about that community need that yeah. that Maslow identified. I love all that. Yeah. And then the next need, this is where if heart does differ from Maslow's, this is probably where the the largest little fork or deviation in the road is, is the next letter stands for resources and responsibilities. And that's all about stewardship and just making sure that the wheels stay on like our car and our house. Yeah. (laughs) Um, that's hard. That's really, it's way easier said than done. I feel like we have been through a year, especially with our house where we're like, Oh my gosh, why did we bite off on this remodel? What were we thinking? And we love our property. And, but 
just maintenance takes a lot more work out of you than you would think. Yep. And then the last letter is T, which stands for trade and talent. And that's what Maslow would call self-actualization. But this idea of how are we, how are we using our gifts to better the world around us? You know, what is the world? I think in the book, I talk about Frederick Boitner, a theologian who said, oh, I'm going to butcher the quote, but something about where our talents meet the world's deep need and what can we do to serve those around us. And so that's where, if you're going to put passion, you know, people always talk about follow your passion. I actually haven't heard that quite as much lately. I think that that might be a, maybe we're learning how to, how to better practice that little piece of advice that I have a passion for home and interior design. So I, I do feel like one of my, one of the things that I want to satisfy, one of the needs that I want to satisfy is how do I take that passion and share it with people around me? How do I scale it? How do I turn it into a business? I mean, that's the entrepreneurial part of me. Yeah. That particular piece speaks so much to me and, uh, and really to the heart, no pun intended, uh, behind Mm -hmm. this podcast. And, um, you know, my, I always, I say this, I feel like I say this constantly on the show is my kind of life verse, so to speak, is First Peter 4.10, which is each of you has received a gift and you are to use that gift as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And you're supposed to use that gift to serve others. And um, that is what I really believe at the heart is every single person was given a gift and was given a gift that is meant to be used to serve others. And that is like God's grace walking itself out. And um, Mm. we are planting a church right now and we are seeing like in real time, the body of Christ at work of people using their individual unique gifts um, to, to serve a greater purpose and to serve others. And it's fascinating how God has I mean, we have, uh, you know, somebody in our in our church plant who is like loves accounting and spreadsheets, which is like where my soul goes to die. And she <laughs> is she's taken, you know, I mean, within the first two weeks of us saying we're going to plan to church, she, I mean, she'd filed our 501c3 paperwork and gotten our bank account set up and all that stuff. And I'm just like, how did we happen to have somebody in our group who's like, yeah, I know how to do that. And then we have another guy in our group who has just lived in this community forever and knows everyone. And so it's like, if we have a particular need, then he's like, Oh, yeah, I know a guy who does that. And it's just like, Oh, because of course you do. And so, you know, I but I just think like, that is when you are using the gift that you have been given to serve and how fulfilling that is and how just on fire it makes you. And I think about um, like we had a, a little like women's ministry event a couple weeks ago and I brought my my daughter, my best friend brought her daughter and both of our girls are eight and nine. And they sat down and they were talking with some of the older women at their table and they didn't even sit with me and my friend. They were like, we're going to go sit over here. And they were talking with the women at, at their table and they were like, well, how can we use our gifts? And so it was really sweet to hear those women say, well, what do you guys like to do? Like, what do you feel like God has given you a gift of? And they said, well, we really love art. And so they took it upon themselves, my little eight-year-old daughter and her nine-year-old friend, and they started a little card ministry in our church. And so they're going to like mm. make these cards and paint things on them and, and give them to people in our church who, you know, are celebrating something or have had surgery or something. And I just said, that is such a sweet example of even at 
you know, eight, nine years old, how can you use your gift to then Mm -hmm. serve somebody else with it? And so, and how much joy they are now getting out of that to be able to be like, they like had this whole meeting about it and they have a name for their ministry and their little, like their their little, uh, like, um, like a, 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 not a subtitle. What am I saying? Like a, catchphrase (laughs) Uh, uh, tagline yeah like a little tagline and they have their 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 foundational verse it's just it's very sweet anyway but all that to say is you're right it's when we are using those those vocational gifts or those unique gifts to serve other people how much that fills us up and 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 really gets us on fire so to speak yeah you know it's This almost goes back to, I think, one of the first questions you asked and kind of like puts a bow on it. The reason why I needed the framework is because it's so easy to get fired up about that stuff. Yeah. It's so easy to like, especially as an Enneagram 7, like the little card ministry, like, oh my gosh, like Like, I am all over that. Like, that's just, that just sounds like the funnest thing in the world. But I have to remind myself that my gifts are not, I I don't like the word optimized or maximized, but I just, I'm not using my gifts to the best of my ability if I haven't taken care of all these other not fun needs first, you know, if I haven't done, if I haven't moved my body or got my steps in or, you know, done a work, I, I do not like working out at all, but (laughs) I know I'm better for it. And I know that my gifts are better for it. And I know that what I share with the world is better for it. So that's where the acronym came from was just to remind me that in order to use these gifts, I really need to take care of some other stuff first. Oh, Whitney, this is so good. This is so good. And um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think that's the perfect bow on it. And uh, again, for the listeners, uh, please go get this book. It's just, it's wonderful. And it's, I, I think it's, you know, in a day and age, like let's just call a spade a spade where there's just a lot of self-help books out. There's a lot of books out there that are just like, just feel better about yourself. And which gives me all of the ragey feelings, which don't usually come (laughs) up at me. Uh, But this really is like such a intentional, purpose-filled, actionable um, type book that also where you're sharing along the way, like I love that you open up in chapter one, you're like, here's where I filed for bankruptcy. And here's how uh, it was the worst. And but then you walk people through the things that you have actually done yourself. And here's how you kind of hold hold their hand uh, through the process. So I just I think it's beautiful. Um, it's, it's incredible. And, uh, thank you for the work that you have done to put it into this. So, um, before we get to the, get to know you round, uh, Whitney, what's kind of on the horizon for you, even though I know that you've just, you know, birthed a a book child. So, but what, what are, what are your plans for the next, uh, you know, the rest of 2022? Well, we're coming upon May, which May is always awful. And, um, so, and I'm a mom, I have three kids. So there's, we're in the middle of a remodel. I mean, it's just launch a book. Then we, we hit summer. I mean, that's the reason why May is always awful. Like moms are running around, like trying to get everything done. Cause you like the gift of a terrible May, my husband said last night is that you get two months with your people at home. Like, yeah. so anyway, we'll, I always try to put some structure around our summer and we'll read a lot and I'll try to Instagram about it. And it was a two bit, my book deal was a two bit deal. So I think I am going to be writing book number two this summer. I'm Woo-hoo. at least planning on that. We'll see if the schedule shakes out. And then, you know, 
Christmas. Yeah. So. And then Christmas. <laughs> um, okay. And where can people best connect with you, follow you? I know you're on Instagram. You're at, is it just at Whitney English? It is yeah. at Whitney English. My website is WhitneyEnglish.com. People can sign up for our newsletter there is actually, I would say, even more important than following on Instagram because who knows what's going to happen to this social media thing right. in the coming years. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Okay, Whitney, this is the point of the show where we ask some just get to fun, fun, get to know you questions, get to fun, get to fun. I don't know. My synapses in my brain are not firing fully this morning. (laughs) Okay. So are you ready for the get to know you round? Yes. All right. Question number one, what is your current guilty pleasure? I love having a fancy cocktail or a beer or a glass of wine just one every night. That is currently my favorite. Are you like not always porch sitter in the bath, something like that, or just kind of like lounging on the couch? Just while I'm cooking dinner. Mm, Yeah. Like why? And then then I'm reading Harry Potter to my kids, (gasps) which it's actually like we have this evening routine. Maybe my whole evening routine is my guilty pleasure right now because then we're diving into a story and it's just really well written and yeah. Oh, I, my kids are really bordering on the age of where I think that they will love and appreciate Harry Potter like I did. So I'm counting down the days till I can re- read to them. I, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. So I know I'd love to ask this question because you are have an entrepreneurial mindset and it's always fun to ask entrepreneurs this question. And that is if you woke up tomorrow and for no bad reason, but you just, you had to completely switch what you do for a living, what would you do? Would you start a new business? Is there something like in the back of your head that you're like, I would go do this immediately? Mm, I feel... Like if I knew the answer to that question, I would be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Enneagram seven. <laughs> I, I just, I have a vision for my business that I, I love textile design. I love interiors. I love, I just, I would figure out how to incorporate that. I, I feel like I'm grasping right now for that perfect little Venn diagram sweet spot. So I don't know. That's sort of a magic wand question too. Oh, I love I, it. I love magic wand questions. <laughs> and I have to say... I would need a magic wand. <laughs> I have to say that I, uh, in following you on Instagram, I also, like, I don't know what I would do with them because I can't sew. But uh, your like collection of vintage textiles, I just, I'm like, yes, I love those. I don't know what I would do with them, but they're so beautiful. <laughs> like, I'm the kind of person who would see them in like a thrift store or something and be like, I should buy this. And then it will sit in my closet for the next 47 years. And someone, my husband will be old and gray and he'll be like, what did you want to do with those <laughs> old fabrics? I'll be like, I don't know. I don't know. But you just described my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. What is currently on your most played playlist on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you listen to music? It's Spotify. I have a bunch of playlists. I've organized them by month, but June, July, and August are really good playlists. If if anybody's looking for good playlists, go check out my... It's Whitney English on Spotify. June, July, and August are really good because we play it outside. But every night... We have a kid's lullabies playlist and the right now in the rotation, the starting song is Steve Mochler's Holiday at Sea, which is a song that he wrote based off of 
uh, C.S. Lewis quote in mere Christianity. And it's just so good. And so we listen to that podcast all the time or not podcast, that playlist all night, every night. So it's the most used. I love, I absolutely love that. And I will 100% go follow you on Spotify and follow those playlists (laughs) because I, I get, I love to curate playlists based on moods or like time of year, or sometimes I'll try to curate playlists that have all the songs on them that like when I used to make mix CDs recording or mixtapes off of the, uh, the radio for the people that are like under the age of 30, they're like, what are you talking about? I did that too. <laughs> yes. Yes. The best was you had the big boom box with the tape. Yes. And then you would turn to your radio station and then you would call your radio station and you would ask, you would yes. request the song and then you would have to wait like seven hours and then for them to play the song. And then you'd be like sitting there by the thing and you would wait and then you'd be like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And then you'd run to the bathroom and then you'd hear the song start and then you'd have to run back and then you hit play <laughs> and and on your mixtape off of the radio, you would always have like WPTC 95.5 <laughs> Washington DC's today's hip hop and country or like whatever. Like hip hop and country. Right. I don't know what station that was, yeah. but every single time, every single time, I every just think it's hilarious. Single time, <laughs> so true. Anyway. I wish I had my mixtape. Me anyway. too. Me too. So I was okay. Real quick digression. Uh, sort of. I was uh just catching up with my college roommate the other day, and we were uh facetiming back and forth about something. And um, she, I had asked her. I was like, "Do you still have?" Because she had this this mix CD that she had made our senior year. And it was uh, to this day, I'm like, that was the best mix CD of all time. And I foolishly either lost it in a move or something. I don't know where mine is. And so I was like, do you still have yours? She still has it. She has all of her mix CDs from college. Like she was pulling it out and she was like, look, this says, cause we were in a sorority together and it was this, it was like pie cap mixer spring 2004. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness. I cannot believe where they're all like d- illegally downloaded off a of lime wire oh, yeah. Napster. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so much fun. But anyway, today we do it legally on Spotify. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. And then my last question is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, uh, Whitney, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? I think it goes back to that, you know, what can I do best and how can I use it to serve the world? So turning that into a business is just really solving the problem of how to scale that, how to take those gifts and, and serve not just my family through like revenue, bread and butter and all that, but how can I help my community? And whether that's online or in Oklahoma city, how can I serve them with my needs? Mm. That's what it means to me. I love it. Whitney, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for the work that you do and the thing, the beautiful things you put out into the world. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. I told you Whitney would be such a great episode. Oh, we loved, 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 loved that conversation. And once again, go get that book. If you have not already, you will not regret it. Be sure to turn in next week as next week is episode three. 
300. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe episode 300 is next week. So do not miss it. But as always, I would love to know what you loved about this particular episode. So let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Thank you for so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to shows and click the subscribe or follow button to help make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review or a rating of the show, which helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.